very welcome along to the gardening program here on Midwest Radio. Uh, Porik, welcome. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, a little bit of a tickle there all of a sudden where that came out of uh, a very abbreviated uh, weather forecast. But let us tell you that it's actually going to be really good and we'll give a more detailed one after 10. But uh, yeah, a, a good week ahead of us, I think. It's going to be a super week. I, I think the start of an Indian summer, hopefully. But today is to be dry. And then tomorrow here in the West, we are going to get some rain. So, and But next week, starting on Monday, we're into that lovely reach of high pressure. Um, so it's going to be fabulous uh, autumnal weather and great gardening weather all next week and of course the ploughing is kicking off on Tuesday Yes and you're you're, you're, in the, you're down at the ploughing this I'm year I'm down at the ploughing yeah. this year uh, again yeah so we have a stand there uh, so Horkins have a stand in block 4 it's row 23 stand 517 Okay mark it in your diaries folks <laughs> And the easy place to get it is through gate 12 but yeah I'm, I'm going down we, we're at Bloom this year as you know and, and uh, we brought the veggie pot mm-hmm. along in particular and planted it up and showed people we got a fantastic reaction to it so I'll be very interested to see what the farmers think of the veggie pot. I pod. suspect it'll be a very I think positive it's reaction. Very well. yeah, yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah. So I'm literally just going down with that um, and uh, the team are coming with me and of course we'll be answering gardening questions and all of that as well and, and doing a bit of media work down there while I'm, while I'm there. So looking forward to it and, and when the weather is good, I mean, there's no better place to be and Carlo is going to be fantastic. Yeah, and I suppose just, just thinking like last year they had a, a very windy experience and Absolutely. one of the days I think to kind First of got postponed yeah. or it got moved down to the end of the week. So uh, great it, the things are looking so much more positive for them weather-wise yeah, this year. Yeah, no, it's going to be great and, and I think even the dry week that we've had up to it is going to help as well. So I thought we might start the programme, particularly today, mm. really just encouraging people, and I'm sure people have made use of the, the few dry days that we've had this week, um, but really, you know, this time of year, there's a certain amount of, of sowing for next year and preparing for next year, but there's also that thing of kind of I suppose tidying up the garden now and preparing for winter, autumn and winter and um, one of the first jobs I did yesterday even myself was was cut the grass and, and Me too. Uh, <laughs> I'd left it for a week or ten days and, and uh, it really did need to be trimmed. I'm probably going to give it a second trim today again but I do know, notice the moss beginning to creep back and people will see that in their lawns at the moment particularly because of the August. So it's been such a wet August in general. Late July, August has been has been relatively wet and moss has certainly beginning to thrive. So as I always say in the autumn, this is the time of the year to nip it in the bud. Don't let it be a problem next spring. So putting on the autumn feeds and particularly putting on the zero now would be highly advisable. But if nothing else, get your lawn more out, get the lawns trimmed and tidied back. It's a time of year when you start to set the blades slightly higher as well. Start leaving the grass a little bit longer because it tends to compete better over the winter, um, particularly with the moss. But do put on the zero as well in dry weather. Find that very effective. It's also a great time of year, Deirdre, for putting together a compost heap because the leaves are going to be falling. You're going to be doing some level of pruning as well. Mm. Grass clippings can be used and of course so much household waste can be used in a compost heap and autumn time if you start a compost heap now you'll have it ready then for spring for March or April of next year when you go back into the vegetable garden so this is always a great time get yourself a little bit of the um, activator the grotto activator and that's a simple granulated treatment it's a bacteria basically that you add to your compost heap you get in any local garden centre and you put it every kind of six or seven 
in, 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 in layers. Mm. Uh, so every six inches of material, you add a little bit of grotto and that helps to accelerate the breakdown then of the compost. <coughs> and do use a whole range of different materials from newspapers to eggshells to tea bags, coffee granules. So a lot of household waste can be used as well as garden waste, garden compost and, and uh, grass and leaves and, and so on. So put in a whole mixture of different things that makes the really the good compost. Sweet peas is the time to sow them. People would still have them flowering in their gardens at the moment, but we always sow a sweet pea if you can, in September, early October, because you get better plants. They'll overwinter perfectly fine out of doors and they'll be six or eight inches before we hit the end of October if you sow the seed now. Sow them indoors, soak them overnight, sow them under a little bit of cling film, stick, sit them on your windowsill, they'll germinate within a couple of weeks and you've got really strong sweet peas then for planting out in the late autumn, early winter period or indeed you can overwinter them and <coughs> plant them out in the spring but they give bigger, stronger plants and bigger and better blooms. So sow the sweet peas now, they're so easy to sow and, and this time of year we've got the temperatures for sowing the seeds of lots of plants like English marigolds and cornflowers, all those plants that will tolerate a little bit of cold weather over the winter can be sown at this time of year for early spring colour. I mentioned last week about the watering of containers. Yes, and again, you did. Y- yesterday, I watered my own containers again. So even within the w- one week, um, it's amazing how they've dried out. So just keep an eye on that because things like dahlias and begonias and so on are still flowering really well and will continue to bloom for quite a long period now. So it, keep deadheading the old flowers, liquid feed your plants and just make sure that they're not drying out because they'll have filled the pots um, pretty much uh, at this time of year. Mm. And you've still got lots and lots of colours from dahlias. I mean, they will go into November if if you continue to feed them. Hedges can be trimmed now, beech hedging in particular this is the time of year, laurel can be trimmed now, Griselinia, Escalonia, all the the evergreen and deciduous um, hedges would benefit from a light trimming back at this time of year. So no need to feed, just simply just trim them back and tidy them up. If you're harvesting, say, vegetable plants, if you're taking out carrots or cabbages, certainly you can replant those areas, but you can also rest the ground by putting on something like the green manures. So things like red clover and phacelia, and you'll find them in, again, your local garden centres, the seed of green manures. If you go in and ask for them, it's a simple packet of seed. You clear the ground of whatever vegetables you have there. You sow the seeds and you leave it alone until the following spring. And you dig that uh, green growth into the soil then before you start planting. So if you're not going to plant some vegetables for the winter in an area of spare ground, put down some green manure seed now and that'll help to add fertiliser to the soil but it'll also help to keep the weeds controlled over the winter period and it's a great way to keep in the an organic way of keeping the area nice and tidy herbs again the sowing of herbs this again is a really super time for the sowing of seed of herbs also all your traditional herbs like chives and thyme and oregano can be sown from seed now but also it's a good time of year to plant herbs, particularly for Christmas. So things like rosemary and thyme and sage that you're going to be using during the Christmas period. Yeah, perfect. It's a, it's a great time of year to actually plant them. Apples, and again, it's been a good year for apples. So just looking at my own apple trees, they're pretty much all the red apples are ready for picking now. The wasps are going to get them and the birds if you leave them much longer. So my advice really is to start harvesting the apples, particularly the, the red varieties or the russet varieties that come off the tree relatively easy now. And it's just a matter of storing those that are unblemished uh, wrap them up in newspaper, put them into a box, store them in a in the garage or in an attic or somewhere cool and dark and they'll store for quite a period. Um, so continue to harvest. Some of the later, the green varieties won't be ready for another three or four weeks, um, but, but certainly start to harvest the early ones. 
pruning of blackcurrants can happen now. So if you've got blackcurrants in your garden, you'll have taken all the crop off them probably a month ago. But now is the time to cut them back. And even though there's foliage on the blackcurrant tree or plants, this is the time, September you know, late September. And really what we're looking to do is to take out about a third of the old wood. And you'll know with blackcurrants because the old wood is black in colour. It's quite dark. Okay. And you can follow that right back and, and just pull it out. And finally, the last thing really is the planting of bulbs. And I've mentioned them for the last couple of weeks, but this is the time of year. The, the soil conditions are ideal now to get them into the garden. So <coughs> if you want a few snowdrops or um, some of the ones I mentioned before, things like the uh, Fairy Walk collection, or there's a lovely range of, of tulips called yes. Chocolate Orange, which are black and orange tulips that you plant together and they give a lovely contrasting colour. Um, so there's, there's a, a wide range of, of bulbs that be, can, can be planted and wildflower seed that can be sown at this time of year. So they're the type of things that you can do in your garden. Like There's lots of great other things you can do in terms of sowing. Still sowing vegetable plants and vegetable seeds um, can, be, can be done at this time of year as well. And deadheading, just keeping the roses deadheaded, yeah. keep them fed and they'll just continue to... You keep the colour going, particularly now that the weather is... It's going to be on our side. Clement, on yeah. our side. Yes. Um, so they're they're the type of things that I would be um, doing over the next couple of days. So taking advantage of the good weather that is coming, and indeed, if you f- want to feed plants with the rain coming tomorrow, today would be a good time to put on. If you want to give something a particular liquid feed or whatever, the bit of rain afterwards, or your autumn lawn feed. If you get on now, the rain will wash that in. Okay, it'll and it'll 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 stand to yes, us it will, then of course with the, with, with with the good weather coming next yeah. week. Yeah. yeah. So they're the type of things. <laughs> Okay, great. Lots of questions in. A couple of photographs for identification, which we're going to come to in just a moment. But first of all, uh, one just in from uh, Judy in Loughborough. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly in Leicestershire. Uh, Judy, just uh, how she's had a fantastic range of sweet peas. Um, just sows seeds straight into the ground. Done this for the last three years and reuses the seeds. Just oh, brilliant. To let us know. So, so she collects uh, the seeds the obviously from our, from our own plants. Absolutely. And that's that's what nature is doing at this time of year. Sweet pea are trying to produce seed. We're stopping them, of course, because we're cutting the flowers so regularly. But this is the time of year. And there are some lovely varieties, like Sutton's do a beautiful variety called the Old Fashioned Scented um, sweet pea which is the old fashioned type you can get patio sweet peas as well that, will only, that you can put on your hanging baskets okay. and windbox so they don't have to be the six foot tall ones you can actually get varieties that will do in hang, hanging basket containers and the old Spencer varieties which are an old English collection variety the, the Spencer, the Spencer si- tell us about those Spen- they're called the Spencer series and, and they're bred by uh, Spencer who is a, a, a famous breeder of um, sweet peas and they're a whole collection of different varieties but they're bred particularly for their scent and for cutting so if you look for those even you'll generally get Spencer whites or blues or a Spencer mix um, and they tend to have the lovely long stems and fantastic scents on them but this is the time of year for sweet pea and if you stick them in the ground yeah they'll germinate the one thing to watch out is the slugs sometimes get them because of the lovely tender because shoots of, and they're in the soil and the slugs can get on them so if you have them at least in pots or trays you know you've got some, and I generally sow them indoors just to get them because you've got the perfect temperatures at the moment on your windowsill cover them with a cling film you don't have to wash them and as soon as they germinate and they're four or five inches high you can plant them out of doors because the frost won't affect them fantastic and just keep a little eye on, on the slugs obviously obviously yeah, yeah. yeah. use the organic treatments okay yeah. well Judy uh, good on you That's and great, uh, to, hear great to hear yeah. that you know you have such success with it and uh, thanks indeed for making contact with us now as we were saying Pork and as you uh, hinted at the start of the programme uh, Moss starting to take a hold and that is very clear from the range of questions Moss related uh, that we have this morning so just um, what we might do is just 
bunch all of these together, I suppose there are questions in relation to the moss on uh, the lawns and putting on the zero at the moment and the best way to do that. Does it need to be wet? Does it need to be dry? But also um, moss on hard surfaces. So I see questions in relation to it on tarmac mm. uh, and also on, I think, some walls. Um, so generally, let's talk about okay. moss for two minutes. <laughs> two minutes, that's it. So, well, the key point I, I, I emphasise to people is that moss starts to grow at this time of year. This is its season. So as we come into the cooler temperatures and the moister, moist conditions, moss thrives. And generally people see it as a problem in the springtime. But if you nip it in the bud now, then it doesn't become a problem over the winter and spring period. And that's really my advice is to treat it now. So if it is on your lawn, today is the perfect day. You want a nice dry day like we have. The zero is a liquid. It works very, very fast. If you apply it this morning, the moss is literally dead before dinner time uh, or before lunchtime, evening time, I should say. Depends when you have your dinner. <laughs> so Irish, Irish dinner or international takes, dinner. It takes about four or five hours for it to work. So it literally works overnight yeah. if you treat it. Um, so my advice is to do that today if you can or in the subsequent couple of dry days we're going to have next week. But do treat your lawn now. I generally treat mine at this time of year, apply it again at r- around Christmas and apply again in the springtime. And then you don't have moss as a problem. You have no raking. You have none of that messing that, that goes on with um, leaving the moss to grow over the winter. So put the zero on now. Generally follow up then after a, co- a couple of days with a an autumn lawn feed that just gives the lawn a lovely green colour and, and builds a bit of um, colour into it rather than making it grow. Mm-hmm. For your tarmacadum hard surface areas, the same thing applies. You need to control it now and the treatment to use there is pack which again is a liquid. It takes a little bit longer to work, generally about six days, five to six days, but again you need a dry day to apply it. So a day like today would be ideal. This morning would be would be absolutely perfect or any time next week. And really get those on now, nip it in the bud is my advice and it won't be a problem. We'll have less questions come the spring. Okay. So people, if, keep, <laughs> keep an eye on it and keep it, keep it at bay really is my advice. Okay. And it's really just down to the moist, wet, late summer that we've had. We've had three weeks there of, of very, very mild wet temperatures in in, in uh, August and, and that's why you're seeing moss. Okay. And every lawn has it. And every, every lawn, lawn has, has it. it. And having so, cut my own as well yesterday yeah, evening, yeah. very prevalent so, again. Nip it in the bud now. Okay, best way to control bindweed. It's growing through a laurel hedge. Well, the bind, thing about bindweed is it's perennial, it's herbaceous as well, which means it dies away in the winter. This is actually a really good time of year for controlling weeds in general. Now, bindweed, because it has a quite a, a vigorous root structure, you need to use a systemic weed killer. So something like the Weed Free 360, or you can get Roundup in a gel, like a hair gel that you can paint onto the leaves. Now obviously you need to apply the treatments to the bindweed and not to the laurel. Mm. So you have to literally paint it onto the leaves. But at this time of year, as bindweed is beginning to die back, it's bringing the energy back into the roots. It'll bring the treatment back into the roots as well. And you tend to get a, a good kill um, in the autumn period because most weeds have flowered. They're weak at this time of year and they tend to be more sus- sus- uh, more susceptible, susceptible. susceptible to weed killers. So again, put on the Weed Free 360. Make sure you only apply it onto the leaves of the bindweed. Put on or the Roundup gel and that both those are quite effective but make sure you keep those treatments off the leaves of the laurel of course um, but bindweed it is because it, it, it scrambles up through the hedge it, it uses the hedge as a, as a support it's a climbing plant and you do need to keep on top of it a bit like brambles 
you know, the, yeah. they, they can become take over. The, the will. So do do um, persist with it as much as possible. Now, I was recommended uh, perlite as a material to use to root my roses and geranium cuttings. Is it okay on its own or do I need to make mix compost as well? Well, the traditional thing is, so perlite is a volcanic ash. It's, so it's, it's oh, is a, that what it is? That's what it is. It's actually taken from a volcanic ash. Um, it's inert, so there's actually no nutrition in, in it. There's nothing really in it apart from the reason we use it is because it allows a lot of air um, and drainage around the cuttings. Now you can use it on its own 100% to root geranium cuttings or rose cuttings or lavender cuttings or whatever but as soon as they root there's nothing there to give them a bit of energy or any minerals or nutrition in the perlite. So as soon as they root which will generally take about three to four weeks you need to pot them on into a mixture of compost and perlite mixed together. So you can use the perlite on its own to root cuttings certainly it'll take four weeks for them to, to root and as soon as they root you them out you, and then put them into a traditional compost mix like a John Innes mix with a little bit of perlite mixed through it. Alternatively, you can mix a bit of compost with the perlite for striking cu- cuttings as well. So you're you know, one way or the other, it, the, the root with 100% perlite on its own or with a mixture of compost and perlite together. But do remember if you're only using the perlite there's no fertiliser there. So as soon as the cuttings strike and start to root, they're going to need to be moved on into, okay, into traditional compost. No nutrition there's in no it. There's no nutrition in it. No, no. But it's a, a brilliant material. It's often used as well if you're sowing seeds of plants. So going back to our sweet peas, if you're sowing those, you can cover them with a bit of perlite. Because it's so light, it's a volcanic ash, the seeds find it very, very easy to push up through the, the perlite and reach to the light. And because it's a white material, it allows light down to the seeds as well. So it's a really good, it's a cheap material to buy. Um, again, you get in a local garden centre, but brilliant when you're sowing seeds and brilliant when you're uh, taking cuttings of plants. It's also great if you're potting up things like cacti that need a very... Um, granular, uh, free-draining compost. Perlite acts as that kind of material as well. Okay. So. Brilliant stuff. Uh, so that's why we use perlite. That's why we use perlite, yeah. Now, what would be a good plant on a long slope? It's in poorish soil. They're looking for ground cover, low maintenance, and possibly to give some colour in summer. Okay, well, there's actually quite a, a wide range of plants you can you can grow. Um, so look, you're looking for something that's going to prostrate. Ideally, you should plant the bank with groups of the one type of plant. So rather than home, home range of different plants I would plant uh, plants say like there's a lovely uh, hypericum called hypericum calicinum it's a ground covering hypericum it only grows about a foot in height the flowers are bright yellow they start in June and they're still in flower now in September and we'll go, do- go on to October um, calicinum is or hypericum calicinum is uh, semi-evergreen so it retains its foliage in winter so as a plant it carpets the ground bright yellow flowers during the summer, holds most of its foliage for winter, often produces a little berry in the winter as well, and it literally grows with underground stems. So it's, it's continually producing stems like a strawberry. Oh, re, right. re, so it's actually moving across the bank, as it were, and carpeting the area. So that's quite a good plant. Another one is one called Abelia, which has lovely pink flowers. Again, it's an evergreen shrub, low-growing, bright pink flowers. Again, would look really well as a carpet uh, effect. Heathers, particularly the more vigorous varieties, the Darliensis varieties like Kramer's Red. It grows about a foot high in height, the heather. Really rich 
deep purple pink flowers right through the summer nice dark fo- foliage and uh, again it carpets the ground so that's one called Kramer's Red look for that in your local garden centre so I, what I would do with the bank is plant maybe five or six different types of plants but put them in groups of the same variety so plant maybe 10 or 15 of the her- hypericum 10 or 15 of the heathers and so on underplant them with spring bl- bulbs as well for a bit of colour and that'll cover the bank keep it weed free and then the bulbs will come up through it in the springtime so there's lots of really there's lots of cotoneaster varieties as well there's plenty of plants ground covering rosemary rosemary prostratus is a lovely <coughs> ground covering variety that again only grows about a foot in height but it spreads across the ground evergreen blue flowers in the summer highly scented okay great uh, now Tom sent us in a picture of a, a variegated leaved plant last week and we missed the name on it but I think it was in Joseph's coat or yeah, something yeah, along that line yeah. the old memory is good okay, yeah, yeah. so, so, that's so now Joseph's Tom we hope you're tuned our way properly this time so that's so Hutonia cordata um, uh, chameleon is, is actually the variety chameleon as in chameleon it changes colours the leaves change from uh, an orange a pink you know what I was saying about this plant is that it can be become a weed if it gets if it's if it gets out into the open garden soil it spreads quite vigorously so it's not a plant to be planting in your border uh, because it will spread uh, all over the place so if you wanted something to spread well then this is a great plant to do that but in a traditional shrub border it tends to become a bit of a menace in that it spreads all over the place and pops up it'll come up through your lawn as well right so it's got these bright variegated foliage um yeah i mean it's not an unpleasant oh, it's looking a lovely, plant it's a lovely looking plant it's absolutely beautiful it's like uh, and when people see it as a small plant it looks fantastic it's like that the puppy syndrome so so but, <laughs> that's a great analogy but, but once it goes into the garden soil it can be, become a bit of a, a menace of it so it's it's you know when you plant it in the wrong place it becomes a weed so that's Hutonia cordata chameleon it's a very distinctive plant it's called St. Joseph's coat because it's got that multitude of colours um, brilliant if you put it in a pot and leave it in a pot it's ideal for that. It is herbaceous as well in that it disappears in the winter and then re-emerges in the spring again. So, you know, it's one that you just have to be careful where you yeah. plant it. That's really what I'm saying. Judicious planting. Exactly. Yeah, just be careful where you plant it. Tom is also wondering, when is the best time to replant a silver birch? It's about two years old. Oh yeah, well there's a silver birch transplant, uh, no problem whatsoever. Leave it until it uh, drops its foliage in November. So the time for mo- moving most plants, particularly trees and shrubs, particularly deciduous plants, is when the leaves fall off. And birch will stay in leaf until the first or second week in November. Dig it up, transplant it at that time of year. Make sure you put it down at the same level, Tom, and put it down a stake and tie with it and um, maybe take the opportunity as well to do a little bit of pruning on it to, to develop a nice kind of full sh- full head on it because birch, in my opinion, look really well where they have a nice clean stem and a kind of a rounded head. So trim off the lower branches and prune the top of it. But leave it alone till November. It's fine at the moment. Okay, and also on the moving of trees front, I moved a six-year-old fir tree. It has now gone dark brown has it died or will it come back? Oh, if it's uh, so, it's a conifer, is it? It's yes. obviously a fir. Um, look at if it's gone brown. I mean, maybe the listener could send a picture into us. But generally, if it's a conifer and it's showing brown um, coloration on the foliage, then it's it's dead. It's gone. Um, one way to test plants is to if you scrape the bark back. So just in under the bark should be the cambium layer, the green layer. And if that's gone brown as well, then the tree is is dead. But generally, conifers once they show. When you, when you transplant it, it looks fine for maybe a month or six weeks. It right. looks absolutely perfect, but it's actually dying over that period. And conifers in particular take a long time to show the symptom, sy- symptoms of death. So um, 
it's, you know, I, I would guess that it's actually gone, to okay. be honest. But maybe take a picture, send it in on WhatsApp and we'll have a closer we'll look. We'll have a closer look. Yeah. What's the best compost for strawberries? Well, strawberries will grow in any type of, of compost. So get yourself a little bit of John Innes. Uh, compost is very good. It has a, a John Innes fertilizer and a little bit of soil mixed into it as well. Um, so if you're planting them up in pots and containers, and strawberries do really well in tubs and containers, a traditional uh, John Innes compost you'll get in your local garden centre. If you want, you can add a little bit of slow-release fertiliser to that. It's often a good idea. Um, so add a handful of that to the compost before planting the strawberries. And this is a good time of year for planting strawberries, for fruiting next year. They need the winter, the cold weather out of doors. So once you plant them up into your pots, leave them outside on your patio door to get the, the cold temperatures of winter because that helps to uh, initiate flower buds for next year. Now we have a photograph, Porik. Uh, please help. Uh, so and give advice on what I can do with my lemon plant. So this is a lemon geranium, I think. Lemon scented geranium, geranium, yeah, by the look of it. Yeah. Uh, which my husband pruned back. <laughs> oh, oh, and reported it. I uh, repotted it about four months ago, but it's still in a very sorry state. Oh, if it's four, I was going to say how long it's yeah. repotted because uh, there's a few greenish leaves on it, but they're few and far between. Yeah, because lemon scented geraniums, they're in the geranium family, and we've spoke about them, particularly in springtime. I mm. often bring them into studio because they're they're absolutely fantastic. Um, and they they do respond to pruning like like most geraniums. They actually benefit from being cut back every year. So after four months, it it should be looking a whole lot healthier than it is there in the picture. So um, you know, I wouldn't be too hopeful for it to be yeah. honest. It's it's within after pruning it back within certainly four to six weeks you should be seeing lots of young growth coming onto the plant. So either it was over watered maybe possibly or you know something else happened to it. It's, it's not the cutting back that has, has stopped it from growing. Something else has affected it during that four month period. But I wouldn't be very hopeful for it. It looks very sickly to me and uh, I'd be thinking about maybe getting a new plant, a young plant um, next spring and, and starting it off again. Now, though lemon scented geraniums, like traditional geraniums, propagate so easy from cuttings. So, if you have a neighbour and friend with with, a, with some of them, this is a good time of year for taking the cuttings off your lemon scented geranium. Okay, I think we may just actually have gotten a photograph of that six year old fir tree, but I'll, okay. I'll come back to that after yeah. the break if that's Brilliant. okay. We'll yeah, get, yeah. get a look at it during the break. Um, we laid our lawn in June. We're going to feed it today. Uh, should we also use zero now? Well, it shouldn't be really necessary. Like, just examine the lawn and see. I mean, it's only June. You should have mowed it probably, you know, five or six times at this time of, of year, at least maybe eight times. Um, so put on the autumn feed. Have a look at it. If you see a little bit of moss coming on it, by all means, put a bit of zero on and the zero will just n knock the, the moss back. And it does, zero gives the lawn a lovely green colour as well. So there's, there's no harm in yeah. putting it on. But generally you put it on when moss is visible. So keep an eye on it. What I would do possibly is certainly give it a, a treatment of the zero com coming up to Christmas and maybe coming into the spring of next year on new lawns. But established lawns should be done now, repeated at Christmas and then in early spring. Uh, now I have, uh, sorry, can I trim back red ro robin shrubs in September? Um, the answer is you can, but they're, they're showing lovely colour at the moment. Um, my advice really would be to leave them to the springtime. I mean, if you cut them in September, October, there's going to be very, very little growth coming on the plants over the winter. So they're going to have that kind of haircut look, that cut look for the winter. So my advice really would be to leave them alone now, enjoy the red colour, because that colour will stay on the plant until February of next year. And before it comes into new growth in March, that's the time to trim it. So if you cut it back at the end of February, early March, give it a feed within two to three weeks, 
you've got a lovely show of fresh new red leaves on the plant. So the answer to the question is if you want to prune them and you need to prune them, you can do them now, but they have that very much that haircut look for the winter and they'll produce very, very little new growth. Um, so they'll, be, they'll look cut and kind of right. trimmed back as it were. Whereas if you leave them alone, you'll, you'll enjoy the red colour that they have at the moment because they're beautiful at the moment. And then in the spring, before they come into new growth, that's the time to prune them. So I would leave them to the end of February, first week of March. Once you prune them, feed them at the same time and there'll be a fabulous show of red colour again. Now we've got some hostas and they're going yellow and brown. Can I dig and divide, please? Yeah, and that would be normal for hostas are dying back at this time of year. Lots of herbaceous plants are, so they're looking kind of a little sorry for themselves. Um, yes, a great time to um, to, to dig, dig, dig the entire clump up and simply divide them up. So I would actually cut back the dying foliage, lift them up out of the soil, take a sharp spade, split them into five or six pieces, replant them, put down maybe some spring bulbs with them because bulbs and, and hostas work really well together. Alliums, for example, are lovely planted through the... Um, the oh, yeah, yeah lovely. Yeah. Uh, there's one, there's a variety, I think, called kings and queens, which are pinks and whites uh, in the alliums. And the allium, because it's got the long stem, will flower up and above the hosta foliage. So it looks like the hosta is actually producing the allium flower, if that makes sense. Well, yes. And the two work really well together. So that's a very good mix. So divide them now, split them up, transplant them to a new area, plant them in clusters of, you know, seven and nines to give that clustered effect. That's when hostas look really well. And then underplant them with some allium. So you'll get them in your local garden centre. Or you could put some tall daffodils as well and you'll have them in March and you'll have the alliums in June through the hostas. It'll be a lovely mix. Now, Porik, some advice, please, on the best tr- apple trees to plant for cooking and eating. And second to that, how should camellias be managed? So two quite different questions. Okay, so there. remember the camellias are woodland plants and they're they're producing their flower buds at this time of year. And I always recommend during the summer and particularly coming into the autumn to keep camellias really well watered and also really well fed because how how well they're looked after now determines how well they flower in the spring. So the buds are being formed at the moment, same on rhododendrons and azaleas. So you water and you feed them now. Do no pruning whatsoever. Right. Keep them in a somewhere kind of, they generally like a, a, a north-facing or west-facing location, somewhere reasonably sheltered. So if they're in pots, kind of maybe move them to a more sheltered part of the garden. But apart from that, that's all you need to do at this time of year. They'll come into flower then anytime from February, March, April of next year. So don't cut them back. Liquid feeding them and washing them really is all the need at this time of year. They don't need to be repotted or anything like that. In terms of the apples, so the best cooking variety is a variety called grenadier which produces huge, big uh, green apples in August, September. So you're picking them at this time of year, a really good variety. It doesn't store particularly well, uh, but it's, so it's one to be picked and used uh, during the autumn period. It's an excellent pollinator of other trees as well. So grenadier, if, you're, if you want something to pollinate your eating apples or other cooking apples, it's a terrific variety and it doesn't grow too tall. So it's one of these varieties that stays fairly small, small in stature, but it produces really big apples. The other good cooking apple, of course, is the Brambley seedling, which is one which is ready in October, November and stores extremely well. So it's the Donegal apple. We often get it, you get it to buy in February and March and April um, or all year round nearly uh, because it stores extremely well. So they're the two cookers I would plant. 
Eaters, you've got a huge choice. But for me, go for varieties that you won't be able to buy in the in the in the shop. So my favourite apple, uh, apple is one called Egmont Russet. It's a russet variety. The, the skin of it is like sandpaper. Okay, right. <laughs> but once you get through that, it's got a beautiful nutty flavoured um, apple. Really, really nice variety. So that's called Egmont Russet. It's an old variety, but a really nice one. James Grieve is great. Katie is a red apple, um, which is really, really nice. Um, Golden Delicious are, are good as well. Spartan is another nice one. There's loads of really good. My advice is pop into your local garden centre. I would go for the dwarf apple trees, the coronet family apple trees, because they're just so easy to manage. They produce full-size fruit. They produce up to 30 or 40 apples per tree. Mm. You can grow them in pots. You can grow them out in the garden soil. I have them grown with rhubarb planted underneath them which oh, work, okay. works really well. Yeah. Uh, so you're using the same space for two different fruiting plants and, and, and it works fine. And uh, the Cornet range, you've got both the Cookers and the eating varieties. And I think from memory is about 15 different varieties within the Cornet family. They've been bred here in Ireland in Kilkenny and they've been bred for flavour and for... So... so um, Dr. Pat uh, Fitzgerald, I think is the chap that, that, that bred the Cornet range. He bred them specifically for flavour and for the Irish climate. So there's something to look for, the Cornet family of apples. You'll find them very easy to plant. Now, a question that actually came in last week, Park, and we didn't get a chance, we're reminded of it, uh, about an allotment, about people uh, who are interested in uh, getting an allotment or how difficult is that? Is that a big thing in Ireland? Well, I know it, was, it tends to be an urban area rather than country or rural areas. Yeah, and it, and it was certainly, you know, going back 10 years ago, there was like kind of a, uh, people wanted to start growing their yeah. own and allotments Renting popped up allotments. all over the place. But a lot of those, I think, you know, you, you have to, there's a big challenge there in taking on an allotment. And and people don't, they, they overestimate the area that you need to actually keep a house going in fruit and vegetables. I mean, there's five people in my house mm-hmm. and I use the veggie pot to grow and I struggle to keep up with the amount of stuff it'll produce. You know, you won't, you won't eat more than a couple of heads so of lettuce. it's not a half an acre you need. No, you know, so, so my advice really is, is um, you know, a raised bed yeah. or, or you know, you grow quite an amount of stuff in, in a, a relatively small area. So, so I just be careful and kind of taking on the challenge. I'm not, but I'm I, to answer the question. Yeah, John I'm, is in Kilchamaw, I suppose. So I don't know if anyone is listening from that particular part of the world know, who can yeah. let us know if there's such a thing as allotments in yeah. Kilchamaw or uh, maybe in Mayo in general. Um, but the veggie but pod is an alternative. It is. That that would work really well. The veggie pod is two meters by one meter, and you will grow an amazing amount of. of in my one at the moment, I actually have half of it is given over to things like um, Swiss chard and winter lettuce. I've, I've just taken out the, the carrots from it. Um, what else is in it? There's uh, spinach in there at the moment. And also I've, I've used the other half of it to actually take cuttings of plants. So you can use it as a propagator as well or to, to raise seed as well. So you need a relatively small area to grow um, particularly salad crops, um, you know, cutting come lettuce, that type of, of mm. thing. Bigger area, obviously, you want to grow potatoes and, and more root crops. You need a, a bigger space, certainly, for it. Okay. But somebody might let us know if there's allotment. Please do. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we'd be very grateful. Uh, we had a we had a photograph of a house plant there for identification, kind of green leaves with a bit of red in the middle. Red centre. So that's a bromeliad. It's in the bromeliad family, and and this particular one is called Guzmania. So it's an indoor plant, very easy to grow. Um, bromeliads tend to have beautiful kind of colorations, particularly in the in the centre of the plant. They produce this kind of rosette of of leaves, and that's where you add the water. So it 
typically they grow in the uh, rainforest, they collect, they grow up their epiphytes, which means they grow up in trees, and they collect the rainwater in kind of a little funnel in the centre of the plant, and that's where you, you actually water this plant from. They tend to last maybe a year inside, and then they produce little offsets. So the centre starts to die and then they produce these little kind of small shoots, three or four around the edges. You take those off, you pop them up and you bring the plant on again. If you don't, the centre of the plant dies. dies. Yeah. Right. And, and the, so take off the little side shoots when you see them appearing, pop them into a new pot and grow them on and then you've got yourself a new, a new bromeliad. So it's a relatively easy plant to grow, um, nice and colourful and um, watering maybe once every three weeks, liquid feeding kind of once a month. That's all it requires, really. Now, uh, I have two to three metre sunflowers in my garden and want to save three the meters, seeds, yeah. though they're tall, yeah. uh, for next spring. When to collect and what do we do? Well, there's still most, most uh, sunflowers are still showing colour. So once the, the, the uh, flower heads are go a kind of a, a greyish colour um, and the seeds start to go a brownish colour, they're ready for harvesting and they'll store very well. Put them into a brown paper bag and you'll store them and then you can sow the seeds indoors in January and February of next year year. Sow them early if you want really tall sunflowers uh, for next year. The other thing is to leave some of the flowers with the seeds on them because the birds absolutely love them and they're full of protein and sunflower seeds are brilliant for your garden songbirds and you'll only need a handful to re-sow next year again. So maybe take, you'll get enough from one flower to, uh, you'll get 100 seeds or 150 seeds from one flower alone. So leave the others then for the birds to feed on over the winter period. Okay, now we did get a photograph of that six-year-old fir tree yeah. and we've had a look. So that's a plant called Macrocarpa, gold crest, and the, the, the plant is dead. Okay. That answers that question. Yeah, there's another one right beside it that's perfectly healthy. Yeah, so, so obviously the listener good, moved good. the two to, or moved one close to the other. Yeah. But no, that that tree is dead. That's not coming back. Now remember that that's Macrocarpa gold crest. It's often sold as a small little conifer. It grows very vigorously, and it's a tree that you just need to be careful where you put it because it can become very imposing. You know, it can grow 50, 60 feet in height and be quite heavy in timber as well. And it's not a tree that likes to be pruned back too heavily. So it's kind of the plant you just want to, again be careful. Where you plant it, right? You know, okay. so um, Macrocarpa gold crest. Yeah, it, no, but it, that one is dead. That one There's is nothing, dead. Yeah, yeah. I'm removing <clears> my <throat> satanta spuds today. Oh, great. Looks like a bumper crop. Can I grow onions in this soil for the winter, or should I rest the soil? No, no. Um, potatoes and, and onions uh, take two different types of minerals from the soil, so that's a perfect crop rotation. So your satantas is the daughter of the rooster potato, great variety. It'll store really well over the winter, so this is a good time to lift it out of the soil. And then put in the Japanese onion sets, so you can plant them straight away. They're, they'll grow through the winter period and be ready for harvesting then in May and June of next year. You could also put, put some garlic into that area as well, or any of the salad crops, things like the winter lettuce, Swiss chard that I mentioned spinach any of those will use different uh, nutrients and elements um, so rather than leaving the ground free plant it up Hyporic and helper <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, no Martina we're only messing um, uh, I have a long flower bed and a big problem with it this week Martina has sent us in some photographs there's moss there but the other weed as well uh, can you identify please a weed, we've yeah. had so a that, look so this is this is liverworth um, so it, it's very common. It's kind of a lichen type uh, growth, very kind of mossy like, but it's uh, it's green in colour, flattish, and it does spread uh, particularly on damp soils. Now, look at a good a hoeing. 
we'll get, we'll remove it, get out the garden hoe and hoe it. If you want to put a treatment on, the pack will control it and there's no plants around it so you can safely use the pack treatment that we use to control moss and hard surface areas. That'll get rid of liverwort and moss as well. Um, so if Martina wants to use that, uh, spray that today and, and the moss will be dead by next weekend and you can plant away to your heart's content. But a good hoeing as well, that's, we'll, 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 we'll scuffle it out. That. Yeah, yeah. I've a pyracantha that has not flowered yet. I have it for five years and was so looking forward to the berries. Uh, Do you think I should replace it at this stage? It does look healthy though. No, I wouldn't. I'd leave it. And like often plants, when they're healthy and they're growing really well, it happens with, with pyracantha, hydrangeas, many plants, once they get into fertile soil and they're growing happily, why do they want to flower? The purpose of any plant is to reproduce. It's under no stress. It's putting all its energy into producing stems and leaves. So there's no onus on it to produce any sort of flowers or berries because once plants come under a little bit of stress or as they get older, they trigger themselves into flowering to to reproduce themselves. So what, what, to make sense of all of that, the easy thing to do is to put on some sulfate of potash because potash counteracts the way plants are vigorously growing by, by, holding them back by kind of restricting their growth and that triggers them into flowering. So put some sulfate of potash on now, repeat it in the springtime and you'll get it to come into flowering. It's not a case that the pyracantha won't flower. It's just a, a matter of timing Maybe. and it's just the fertility of the soil that the plant is in. It's just, a, it's having a it's ball. Balling. It's still a teenager. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's enjoying itself. So a bit of sulfate of potash, it'll stop its gallop, it'll hold it back a little bit and it kind of forces plants into producing flowers in particular and Sulfur that's why it's so good for many fruiting plants in particular. It slows down the growth and once plants feel that kind of pressure, they trigger themselves into producing flower buds. Now, Mary says, I love the fuchsia that grows around the roads in Connemara. And it's very much in evidence. I was over that part of the world oh, on lovely. Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, red in colour. Could that be used for a hedge? And is it in stock in the garden centre? Yeah, it, well, whether it's in stock, uh, the best thing is to ring the ring, the, ring the string turlock and just to see. But we do stock um, for the fuchsia. Uh, so, yeah, it makes a brilliant hedge, super hedge, lovely hedge. I mean, there's a million different kinds of fuchsia. There are, but, but the, the um, Riccantonia is the variety that, that you see growing yeah that, it's the uh, Mediterranean that, that wild hedgerow kind exactly of thing. now do remember that it is deciduous so in the winter it's quite naked it's quite bare in the winter time so as long as the listener um, doesn't mind that of course you've got foliage from March and flowers right through until November and it makes a superb hedge right up to six feet and relatively fast growing as well um, so yeah it's a lovely informal hedge you prune it in the springtime before it comes into growth and then you leave it alone to, to, to flower um, right through the summer so yeah it's a very very easy to grow and now plant, a good time to good plant time, it. very good time to plant I would clean the soil make sure there's no weeds or grass or bindweed like we had with the laurel hedge so nice clean soil before you plant space the plants about two feet apart and um, give them a light trimming back before planting that helps to kind of thicken them out and make sure a nice full hedge but fuchsia makes a beautiful kind of informal particularly in countryside areas you know down yeah. around Mulrani it's beautiful and Ackle and I, uh, I, w- uh, I drove around Ina there on Wednesday but on the way back and it was just stunning yeah. and there was loads of that fuchsia in evidence and, and really beautiful and very maintenance you know low maintenance great for for bees in particular uh, and butterflies mm-hmm. and a really really good plant but do remember that in the winter it is quite, quite stark so yeah. if you're looking for a bit of privacy or a bit of shelter um, you're not going to get that through the winter months yeah, it's probably looking its best at the moment it is ah yeah it's lovely, lovely now hedge. can you tell me the name of a tree we've got the photograph of this and we'd have had a look at it when to, uh, it's kind of a russety kind of a yeah. burgundy coloured tree uh, so the name of the tree please and when to prune it as it's in a small garden 
Okay, and it's a relatively small tree anyway. It's a plant called Prunus passardia nigra, which is a purple-leafed plum. Um, so it produces nice pink flowers in springtime and uh, purple foliage then from spring right through till autumn. But to be honest, it'll, it'll only grow to about 15 feet anyway, which is relatively small uh, for garden trees. So yeah, you can give it a bit of a pruning back. The time to prune it is after flowering. So it's going to flower in April, early May of next year. And that's the time then to trim it back. Um, you'd be cutting back some of the leaves, but that's perfectly fine. So always prune the uh, the cherries just after flowering. So it's in the cherry family. Prunus passardia nigra. It's a, a purple leaf plum. Very simple tree to grow. Now, lupin seeds. How how do we save them and use them? Uh, again, it's like uh, same as same as all the others. Literally, you can actually uh, cut the heads or cut the seeds now. Put them into a uh, paper bag, brown paper bag. They'll fall into the bottom of that bag, and then you can sow them anytime from now on. So anytime, kind of September, October, um, or you can sow them next spring as well. Okay, a quick yes or no on this. Can I put sulphate of iron on the lawn now? You can, but just be careful with sulphate of iron in that it is caustic, it can burn. So if you're using sulphate of iron to control moss, mix it up in water and, and apply it that way and just be careful that it doesn't get on your, your patio. Now, my leaves on my roses have fallen off. The flowers are still in bloom. Okay. What would be causing this? Well, black spot can do it, mildew, any of the, the fungal diseases can cause um, early drop or defoliation as we call it. it just It's a sign that the plant is has become under disease pressure. So it's black spot mildew. It has been a summer for those when you get the wet weather, particularly mildew this year. Um, look, at, don't worry about it. Let them flower. Enjoy the flowers. If anything, once the flowers start to fade, cut them back again. It'll kick into growth again. You might even get some new foliage and new flowers on it before Christmas. Now, good morning from Kerry. Right. Would like to know when can I spray for leather jackets as they destroyed my lawn in the early summer and now it's back looking good, says Brida. Okay, well, remember, Brida, that the eggs of the... Uh, so the leather jackets are, are, uh, are the larvae of the daddy long legs. So this is the time of year that they're actually laying the eggs. So you, can, you could use the, the treatment now because they hatch out in autumn. They feed on the lawn all winter and particularly in the springtime you see the damage. Um, you can use the nematodes um, so they're available from in your local garden centre. Mix them up in a washing can, apply them onto the lawn at this time of year. And if there are any leather jackets there, they will hunt them down and control them. Okay, great stuff. And the very best of luck this evening. Yeah, great absolutely. Uh, now, I have a new build and a garden is being levelled at the moment. Is it too late to put out grass seed for this year? No. Or what would be the best thing to do so it's not left with a big muddy pile for the long run? Yeah, winter? actually, it was on my list. To, I was talking about lawns there and I have a word down here, so, so I meant to mention that, that it's actually the perfect time of year. I was probably more mindful that the week is going to be dry. Mm. And I said this before, the sowing of lawns is not down to a particular week or month in the year. It's down to the weather conditions. And the weather conditions next week are going to be ideal for sowing new lawns. Grass seed will germinate temperatures uh, above 9 to 10 degrees and we're, we're up on kind of 15, 16 degrees at the moment. So it's absolutely perfect weather for re-sowing lawns, sowing bare patches, sowing wildflower seed in particular. So my advice... Uh, to breed it was it to somebody else is to sow the to sow the lawn now um, it'll germinate within two to three weeks you'll have a great lawn before Christmas you'll probably have given it one or two mows before Christmas and uh, so it's a, it's an ideal time to get get your lawn in okay lovely um, one or two other ones before we uh, wrap up I have a wedding in December what can I sow in a rockery for colour oh <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough one. Well, what I would be planting are plants that Winter maybe... Winter heathers? 
Well, winter heathers would be lovely. They give they give a, a, a great show of colour. Winter aconites should be flowering at Christmas, which are a low bulb with nice bright uh, yellow flowers. Cyclamen would be lovely, but I plant them closer to the time. And really for weddings, you know, when you want the, the garden looking its best, I always advise to come into the garden centre maybe two weeks before the wedding. Um, you'll have plants like skimmias that'll show lovely red berries at that time of year. Galteria that again has lovely uh, autumnal colour in the leaves and nice red berries as well. Another plant called pernet which gives lovely winter colour as well. So Heliboris, of course, will be flowering for Christmas as well. So maybe leave it closer to that, to the actual wedding date, pop in at that time of year and you'll have plants then in colour, like the winter heathers, the cyclamen and so on will be showing lovely colour. Can we set peony roses from seed? The, the, the answer is yes, you can. Uh, they tend to be the single flowering varieties, but they're better planted from bulbs or roots and they have come available in January, February uh, is the time to buy the roots of peony roses because they're very slow to flower. It often takes from seed, you could be waiting seven or eight years for the plant to come into flower. So the answer is yes, you can. The seed is available. But my advice really would be get the bulbs in the springtime. They'll flower within two or three years after planting or get the plants themselves in pots in March and April and they should flower in their first year. Okay, we're going to have to leave it there, I'm afraid. Time is So remember, us. I'm in the ploughing uh, from Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday of this week. We're in Block 4, Row 23, Stand 517 and Gate 12 is the easy way to get us. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'll give you a full report next week. Well, actually, I won't be here next week, but Viv oh. will, oh, yes. Viv will back. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, Viv is back yeah. for a week. So uh, we'll be, you can be talking about it then and we'll pick up the thread the following Viv is my week. helper next week. Viv is, is your helper next week. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Have a great week at the ploughing, Porig, and to everybody else as well. Stand by Michael Neary on the way next. But first, uh, we'll be going to the news after the break with Michael D. McAndrew. Until uh, Saturday week for me, good morning to you.